So I hope, you know, and I, I think if we begin to change things about how we see energy um, in Africa, especially in Nigeria, how we see renewable energy, how we perceive the, the importance, then things will begin to change. We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here. The solar industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter combined. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Welcome into the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis. Episode 113, that's 113, happens right now, and we bring along part six of our University of Houston collaboration, Coogs Energizing the Energy Transition. We're working alongside the University of Houston's Energy Department, as well as the Energy Coalition at the University of Houston, a fine student group and the largest student group on the University of Houston campus. Today, part six, Uchenna Ube, a PhD student from Nigeria, joins us talking all things physics as well as why he feels physics is the fundamental basis for all things that go down in energy. He gives us a great background on that. But before we get to Uche and his story, let's hear from our CEO and co-founder, Mr. Mike Niemer, telling you what it is we do here at eRenewable. At eRenewable, we know going green is important to your business and your ESG rating. Besides offering PPAs and VPPAs, through our network of clean energy professionals, we can also offer renewable natural gas, or let us help you lower your carbon footprint with responsibly sourced gas from a leading global energy provider. Maybe you need green energy credits, whether it's unbundled RECs or RSG certificates. Your path to net zero and decarbonization is one step closer with the renewable. For more assistance, please call us at 1-866-ERENEW1. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Mike Niemer. You can find out more about the company over at eRenewable.com. And then, of course, as always, give us a follow on our LinkedIn page, eRenewable and the Green Insider Podcast, so you too can become a member of the Follower Friday series. We've got Nathan Sprague from Compute North. He's going to join us this Friday. And, of course, they're new members to the North American Energy Markets Association, NEMA, for those of you scoring at home. And, of course, the big NEMA conference goes down next week. We will be there. We are the official podcast of the NEMA conference. We're very excited about that event and of course we will be tweeting we'll be on linkedin and then of course the following week it'll be all name a conference all the time with a huge recap we're looking forward to it so should you all right let's get right down to it part six u of h coogs energizing the energy transition this series has been even better than anything we could have expected we talk about how important and just how enlightening these young men and women have been uchenna ube Part six from Nigeria, talking all things, the importance of an education here in the U.S., why he felt it was so important for him to do so, his background in physics, why he stuck with physics, and more importantly, what are some of the changes he would make or what changes are, does he hope to make when he goes back to Nigeria after working here in the United States. It's a fantastic interview from a fantastic young man. Here is part six of the U of H series, Mr. Uchenna Ube. My name is Uchenna Benedict Ube. I'm a Nigerian, physics, studying physics, PhD physics at the University of Houston. And I got to University of Houston in 2020. Other than the fact that University of Houston is uh, sitting in the energy capital of the world, I also got intrigued by the fact that uh, University of Houston itself is the second most uh, diverse university 
and research university in the OUS, which is great. So that means it gives opportunity to, um, uh, to everyone to excel in, in their field of studies, I believe. For me, the big thing always is, you know, where I could express myself because I always want to work in the, in the renewable energy, energy spheres. But um, I, that kind of came as a plus because I, I kind of saw that if, you know, they give everybody opportunity, uh, since it's diverse, I believe everybody's going to get this equal opportunity to excel in their field, and that's kind of caught my attention. You got your undergrad in physics, you got your master's in physics, you're getting your PhD in physics. Why physics? Okay, so for me, you know, growing up in Nigeria, country in Africa, the western part of Africa, um, unstable electricity was a problem for us, okay? So I was one of those kids that has to get homeworks done using lanterns. Uh, lanterns are kind of this device that brings out lights and smokes and all those things. So it's kind of odd. Like a kerosene lantern? Like a kerosene lantern, correct. That, that's exactly what I was talking about. So it was one of those things I kind of used as a kid, you know, getting my homeworks done. And that kind of spawned this thing in me that, you know, we could fix this energy thing. And as a kid, I started thinking of, thinking of energy even when I was a kid. And that kind of inspired me while I was going to college. I was seeking for a course that kind of gave me a leverage where I could learn on how to understand how energy works. And physics for me was that subject that kind of um, explained things into the subatomic level and also try to implement those laws on how things work. And that's why I was in physics. It's crazy to think not only are you guys only getting six hours of power a day, but you're still using lanterns in the 2000s. And 2022. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, Correct. So, and that's still going on today? Oh, yeah. 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 There are people that really have not had electricity for one day. I've never seen electricity. Some villages, like in the remote rural settlements. And, you know, the urban cities have lights and all those, but still you can still find lanterns. People use lanterns. Was there anybody in your family that was in the oil and gas business? No. So what did your family do? So my dad, um, in blessed memory, slates, uh, passed on uh, 21st of January, 2021. My dad was, you know, was a driver. He didn't get a chance to go to college. I'm the first person going to college in my, in my family. Uh, my mom also was a trader, very hardworking, and she is still there thankful to her yeah. and uh, but yeah other than that we don't have anybody in the oil and gas for sure my inspiration was actually drawn from the fact that I didn't um, I grew up in a country where energy was a problem and as a kid um, it's difficult to get anything done especially if you don't have electricity right and also um, an economy cannot really grow without any electricity we know for sure so for me the inspiration was from the fact that I I had to struggle to get homeworks done just because I don't have light. Sometimes you have to wait for, you know, the light comes on and you're trying to do something and it goes off. Those things kind of annoys me <laughs> as a kid, frankly speaking. And that's kind of when I had this mindset of, okay, you know what? I think I have to start thinking of how I can also come in and, you know, play my own part in this quarter. As you were talking, I was kind of listing all the things I wanted to congratulate you on. First of all, first generation college student, and not just first like generation for an undergrad, you did your master's and now you're doing your PhD. So that is amazing. I, hearing your story, it seems like you probably had a lot of distractions growing up, like lack of electricity, maybe not the great greatest conditions for a child to grow up. So what was it? that would motivate you on the daily to keep on going or to dream big and be ambitious? Well, thank you uh, for that question. Uh, yeah, for me, um, again, uh, number one is my dad of blessed memory. Uh, number one is my dad. My dad is, um, is this kind of a person that kind of try to make you see that you are just not inferior, 
you are better off than what you think you are, even if you don't have all the resources around you. So it kind of instilled this kind of discipline in me as a child. For me, that kind of pushed me uh, beyond the boundaries. Sometimes I get broken, but still I pick myself up just because of those kind of words I get from him. And secondly was um, actually Nikola Tesla himself, the inventor of AC motors. For me, Tesla kind of inspired me in different ways, his invention as a, and everything. It's just kind of still mind-boggling. He never got a Nobel Prize, but you know, but it's one of those things. And of all, uh, Jesus Christ for me has, has been my source of peace. And you know, things get tough. Sometimes you have to be frank. You know, you try, it doesn't work. But I just find this inner peace and joy from Christ, and that's something I, that keeps me going. For a country that is so reliant on oil and gas, how does a country like Nigeria adapt during this energy transition? Um, so I would say in the, in the meantime, we kind of are not really thinking so much on how to not be left behind. Uh, that's uh, Unfortunately, that's the truth. And that's kind of uh, because uh, our economy is kind of run on a monopolistic kind of government, especially in the energy sector, where uh, people have to be loyal to the government. And, you know, with this kind of mindset, you don't get uh, the chance to really tackle this problem at on. And uh, so I think it's different from what we had in the U.S., right? So you have, you know, diversity and you have competition and this kind of makes up, gives options and bring drive prices down in general. So for me, I, I don't think we're there yet, but I, I'm hopeful. I have other people, I believe other people also are thinking of it this way. Just for me personally, I, I think we would get to that point where we begin to understand renewable energy is the way forward and uh, begin to take off our dependence of, on, on fossil fuel. Are you confident those changes can be made? Yeah, I believe it can be made. Uh, but for now, no, we don't have them on ground. And I don't think the policies are kind of supporting it. But I believe it can be made, yes. You've got a few years before you graduate, so you've got a little bit of time. But what do you hope to do? What do you want to do in the energy sector? Um, so for me, um, the short-term goal would be to get into the renewable energy industry, you know, working in, in a company where I can um, get to use, get some hands-on experience and also get to be mentored. That kind of the short-term goal for me. And the long-term goal for me definitely is to, you know, take this experience and go back to my country, first Nigeria, and help in my own capacity uh, to get things working, especially uh, renewable energy and also extend it to other part of Africa, and, um, you know, as time goes on. And that's, that's for me, yes. I have a plan to go back home okay. and someday and, you know, also give back my quarter and help make my country a better place. I believe once I'm done with school, I really want to work in the renewable energy industry, and I said, and I really want to learn. And in long time, maybe sometime in future, then I hope to go back home and, and you know, give back from what I've really gotten all these years. So for me, the most intriguing part of renewable energy would be investing solar energy and also um, optimizing the batteries because that's kind of where we're still trying to improve in science, especially in the battery section, uh, getting it to take store more energy, go longer ranges. And the reason why is uh, because I also believe in my long time goal, in Africa we have a lot of sun in most of the states and uh, I believe we can invest those energy and uh, get them um, working and power up cities with those energies. So, so for me, I would, want, I would rather want to stay in the um, investing solar energies. So for me, physics, I said, I, I've always seen physics as that only subject that, that kind of understand things to its, its minute level, like the subatomic level, and also provide those laws that governs how these things even works. So for me, I kind of, I'm always curious to know a lot of how things work. And I think physics for me is uh, that, that subject that gives you that extra 
background. I mean, that doesn't mean other subjects doesn't provide those, but I think physics go an extra step in studying like the nitty gritty of anything and also how they really work. So, yeah, so that's kind of why I was dri driven into physics, and, and, and I see physics as that, as that um, subject that gets me into the energy sector. Energy transition to me is reducing carbon footprint. That's what it means to me. And in trying to achieve that, we have to also uh, look for a way to make renewable energy more competitive. That's one thing I think we should also uh, look into. And also for our ways to uh, make up policies that could uh, bring about subsidy, subsidizing energy products, energy-related products, and also uh, providing incentives, uh, better incentives, that could also make people start thinking of getting energy, uh, renewable energy as a better alternative to what we currently have. To Nigeria, for me, um, energy transition would mean a lot if we can start thinking in that sphere. Uh, but I think now we're not just because most of the national revenue is being generated from fossil fuel, of course. Uh, but I believe for Nigeria, it would, it would mean a game change, changer if we have such um, capacities um, in our countries too. All right, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Lotana. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. What changes are you making to get Nigeria on track with the energy transition? Um, that's a very good question. Uh, so for me, the way I'm kind of thinking about it is um, that first we have to do a feasibility study to really understand the problem. Because the truth is we've, we've had different government coming into power, promising, you know, the best uh, 20 gigawatts and all those things and nothing ever works, right? So we need to really know, get to the nitty gritty of what the problem is. And I think one of the big problem is the fact that um, you know, the Nigerian government sees um, you know, moving away from fossil fuel would lose their means of revenue, which is a big problem, right? So, um, so I would start off by first going around the nations, the geopolitical zones we have. Like in the north, we have a lot of sunlight. In the south-south, we have a lot of rain, you know, and, and, and down to the west, we have, you know, the Atlantic Ocean and the likes of them. So I have to think of getting in, um, say, in, this, in the north, we can have a lot of solar farms. You know, we can invest those energy. We can use them, generate energy, and serve the people there. And um, say in the south, we, you know, I said, we have the Atlantic Ocean. We have rains, a lot of them. So we could start thinking of things like the windmills. And, you know, and this other um, means of renewable energy that could help. So the aim is to diversify this energy, okay? So if we have these things diversify, then we can generate sufficient energy to power the whole nation. That's kind of one. And the other thing is to look at the energy policies, right? So we, I think the energy policies is also one of the problems we have. Uh, for example, um, some part of the south where we have, like, the shells and some other countries, um, these big energy firms, uh, they have a lot of... Um, um, carbon waste. Uh, we have a lot of crude oil in the rivers and all those things, and that kind of affects the ecosystem itself. So uh, we have to really look into the energy policies and, and you know, get things right. And again, uh, when we make this energy, when we get this renewable energy, we have to also make it affordable because uh, that's going to be the next problem, you know, uh, being able to make sure people can afford to get these things to their home. And so we have to find, um, you know, things, policies that's going to kind of incentivize this energy and also um, subsidize this energy to make it affordable to everyone. And this is kind of how I think about energy for me in Nigeria. Why can't Nigeria be that region's Houston? Well, everything boils down to um, the government and the policies. For me, outrightly speaking, we have all it takes. Yeah. We, we have the energy, we have the resources, the resources we have everything, absolutely more than enough to even, not just Nigeria, to actually provide for as much as the whole Africa. We have enough resources. But I think, again, uh, the, the government, right? So the, so the policies from the government are kind of 
the, the, the orders we have, the entrances we have, and they don't kind of support it. And, and that's why we are still where we are. So I hope, you know, and I, I think if we begin to change things about how we see energy um, in Africa, especially in Nigeria, how we see renewable energy, how we perceive the, the importance, then, then things will begin to change. I mean, you know, something interesting is even in the U.S., I think Nigerians are like the most educated. We have a lot of smart mind, that's where I'm driving at. So we have people that are really passionate, uh, that want to really go back home and, you know, make things work. And I believe, yes, we can, we can affect that change if given that opportunity. So how are you affecting or how do you plan to affect the energy transition? So I'm actually already affecting the energy transition uh, because I currently I'm an advocate of energy with the Houston Renewable Energy Group, the HREG. We have several events coming up and we've had previous energy sensitizing in the past. Also, we have some energy initiative programs coming up. And, and basically at HREG, uh, what we do is that we try to empower the Houstonians and uh, the importance of renewable energy uh, through education and through um, commitment and involvement in the grassroots um, energy programs here in Houston. Well, before going back home, definitely I want to stay in Houston. Uh, okay. Well, one of the, the reasons is, again, it's the energy capital of the world. And again, the weather in Houston, I, I love the weather here. It's, it's normal, it's cool, it's not too cold. And it's kind of what I, I have like back it. home, you know, so it's, it's really cool. And I think the people here are really cool, and um, I think the opportunities are here. So I would, you know, want to be in the U.S., of, of course, and again, I would want to be in Houston. What was that transition like going from Nigeria to Auburn, now to U of H? Well, for me, I would start off by saying it was a dream come true, okay. you know, because um, I've always wanted, even when I was a kid, I knew when I was in college that whatever knowledge I was getting wasn't sufficient to really um, achieve my dreams of okay. you know, getting things done in the energy industry. I needed extra knowledge and I never wanted to get it back home again because I feel I need real hands-on experience. And that's kind of why I started looking at the US. And um, you know, thankfully, I got into a couple of schools, but Auburn was my, uh, my favorite. Again, I said, the, the, the Auburn, the, the atmosphere there, or the, the, it's kind of like what we had back home. So I, I, oh, I, I, yeah, it's kind of like what we have in Houston, right? So it's, it's kind of the same weather. And um, also, it's a big um, college town, I, I know you know, uh, for sure. And um, yeah, and I kind of love the research. Again, uh, the, the department, my, my PI, Dr. Ryan, Ryan Combs, shout out to him, was a really nice guy. And um, I kind of love the research there, and that's why I went to Auburn. I think the biggest cultural shock for me was going from Nigeria to Houston, um, to Alabama. That was where I had the biggest cultural shock. And, and that was just because um, I had to adjust to a lot of things, right? So back home, um, uh, back home, we, we, you know, the way our education system is back home, they kind of don't give you the opportunity to, to think out of the box. You, you kind of, you know, you read for exams, you know what to expect, you go in and you write what you, what you know, right? So I, I, when I got to Auburn, um, here you have to really, you don't know what's coming, right? So everything is new. You have to teach. <laughs> you, have to, um, you have to take those classes and you have to kind of think of how to answer those problems. So, so that was one big adjustment for me, uh, which... Uh, thankfully, I got I, I adjusted to it, yeah. and also the other thing was well for me the food. I wouldn't say I had a, mo a lot of issues with the food because literally I, I I eat anything. That's why my mom loves loves me. I eat anything she cooks. So for me the food was was really nice though. I I got good foods there, and coming to Houston for me was um, was more of a bigger town. Uh, that that kind of was the only 
the main difference for yeah. me was like you know you have the skyscrapers everywhere and um everything is much faster <laughs> you know but but it's really a nice place because it um it gives you a lot of opportunity to really network uh within within camp colleges and and the industry is kind of like you know you you can move back and forth um which you don't get in alabama so 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 for me the the change the transition and changes um was interesting i would say in summary you mentioned food uh was there any place in particular that jumped out to you uh well in houston here uh houston, well houston or, or well, uh well, for well, I mean, there's a lot of food food places in Houston. I, I must I must confess, good foods, not just food, uh, good foods. I I kind of enjoy eating downtown. I just look up restaurant and look for food that gives restaurant that gives spicy foods. I, I don't have a favorite. I said I eat any, I eat not anything. I wouldn't say anything, but I don't. I'm not kind of picky. That's why I'm driving at. So once it's spicy, it's good. I've been looking for opportunity to lend my voice, uh, to let people understand uh, the the damages. You know fossil fuel and the other form of energy has been put into the communities. So I kind of look for opportunity to, to, let, to sensitize people, to make them aware that it's important we, we kind of look out for environment and going sustainability, sustainability is the only way out. Yeah. And that's kind of why I, I kind of joined this podcast through, uh, thankfully from Energy Coalition, uh, when I got to know they had this coming up, I signed up and, and I felt, okay, this podcast gave me that platform. To, to lend my voice, to let people know that uh, we should think of going green. Last question. It's probably the hardest question we've asked of anybody in the podcast series. Why should you win? <laughs> wow. Okay. So, um, well, it's, well, winning for me is going to be a delight. But more importantly, I, I think um, I, I would win if, if, you know, after meeting you guys today, after lending my voice, I would win if people begin to see energy from a different perspective. I think I would win if if we begin to know that taking care of the environment is very important. We we begin to put in the actions needed and we begin to see energy, renewable energy especially, as the ultimate solution to fixing the nation and fixing energy, uh, the world, then that that's a win for me. For me, it's beyond the money. But I said, it's going to be a delight if I win, but for me, it's beyond just winning the competition. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Ube. You can catch all of the Green Insider episodes over at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and on the website, eRenewable.com. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, and as always, we know a lot of you do, give us a five-star rating. Why? Because we promise you learn more about the energy transition and renewable energy from the podcast than you knew about it before you stopped by. As always, shout out to my co-host for this series, Miss Afria Nasir. She has really been the MVP behind all of this. And, of course, we're going to have the live event last week of April. We've got a date kind of circled but stay tuned for that and then of course the u of h energy banquet goes down on april 20th you can go to their website to learn more about that definitely check it out you will be glad that you did name a conference goes down next week a lot of good stuff going here at the green insider and at e-renewable follow us on the linkedin page you will not be disappointed. As always, shout out to the eRenewable team and Mike, Roger, Al, all the audience, all the guests. Without you doing what you do, we couldn't do what we do. This has been the Green Insider Podcast powered by eRenewable. We make going green easier.